Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. Here I am. Uh, I'm Jennifer Stiers, and uh, I am here today with a guest. Uh, my guest is going to be talking about narcissism. Uh, I know, uh, I guess it was about a week ago, was National Narcissist Awareness Day. And I wish, we, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I wish we could have had her uh, sooner. But uh, never a better time to talk about narcissism than today. <laughs> and I have a ton of clients, too, that are dealing with this. So I hope all of you are tuned in. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a world that is, uh, that is facing narcissism at, at, at greater uh, numbers than maybe we've ever seen. And hopefully my guest can explain why. Uh, so I'd like to introduce you to my guest. Her name is Cinnamon Prime. Uh, I have known Cinnamon personally for, oh my goodness, I don't know how many years have I known you? Um, 10 at least? It's been a good 10 years, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's not age ourselves. So 10. <laughs> uh, and uh, we met when we were 20, right? That's right. That's right. So, uh, so she is a neuroscientist, right? right? <laughs> I have a degree in biochemistry. I study neuroscience and I'm a mindset coach. Yes. Okay. Uh, she's probably underestimating her abilities. The girl is brilliant. <laughs> she really is. She's brilliant. Uh, sweet. Thank you. Really, when it comes down to, I'm big into vitamins and things like that. And that's, it was one way in which we, she started. So I'm going to tell you a little teeny story with her. So she has this knack for being able to, uh, to figure out the human body and, and chemist, body chemistry and with vitamins and things like what's working, what's go, like when something's going wrong, how to fix the, the balance. And interestingly enough, the reason that narcissism uh, got on her radar was because she ended up dating one. And it became such a menace in her life that, uh, that she did the research. So she had to figure out how to, it was, it was a completely toxic, which many of you have had, those really toxic ones. So she got into a really toxic relationship and had to get out and had never before been in a position that she was in that she didn't understand, which is brilliant of you to do all the research at that point to really, really dig in and understand what it is. And I feel like that's where a lot of people are that, and I get a lot of questions like, what is narcissism? Where does it come from? How does it start? Uh, is it biological? Biological. Uh, is are they are they genetic? People, yeah, are yeah, people born with it. Yeah, uh, and uh, how does it develop? And so we're going to kind of dig into some of that, the root cause of it. And by all means, I uh, I kind of teased you guys a couple days ago. I said be ready with questions. So I do have you guys on. Uh, my social media here. So I'm going to be checking social media uh, at various times while she's talking and get your questions. So please make sure if you have any that you ask, uh, this is this is your chance. Uh, I know there's a ton of books out there. Yes. Uh, I know I have, uh, I have actually come to you for some of my clients before to get some assistance and help and advice uh, on reading materials and, and specific things. And one thing I want to make sure that we talk about today that's going to be really important is I want to make sure that we discuss uh, how how this comes about in people's lives? Like, is it is it something they're born with, or is it something developed? And I know for some of my clients, there is a parental link. Yes. Uh, and and how a son of a narcissist and a daughter of a narcissist interact and how they're affected is different. Uh, it's very very different. And so 
one thing I will say is we only have about 45 minutes to do this. So she's, uh, Cinnamon's going to give you some books uh, and some reading material, but you have to educate yourself. There's so much information out there. Uh, you have to educate yourself on narcissism and you have to, you have to read. Uh, you could go to therapy for the next 30 years and never understand it. Right. So it is your job to, to dig in and do some of this research yourself. So uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. At least we can start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's start there. Okay. So can we start there? Can we start with how does, how is narcissism born in a person? Okay, that's a very good question. And um, a couple of things, if, if I may say, set the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. um, since we only have 45 minutes, there are some very important things for us to um, learn. So get a notebook and my clients know I'm an educator. I'm a teacher. I have a degree in biochemistry. So like you said, I take, you know, I, I was a chemical engineering major first. So I take a look at the human body from an engineering standpoint. And I take a look at even narcissistic abuse um, mechanistically. So the big question is, how do they become a narcissist? Well, there's no one solid answer. Um, there could be a genetic predisposition for it. Um, it could be that they did have, you know, oftentimes if you have a narcissistic parent, whether it's a mother or a father, or even an older sibling, for whatever reason, they're a narcissist and they're abusive. If you were in that environment, you might have the propensity to become one, or sometimes the narcissist parents are, they're not narcissistic or abusive, but that person interpreted it that way. And we do know through neuroscience how somebody interprets something can actually dictate the perceptions. So um, if somebody has a just a basic personality where they don't like being told what to do, they don't like being controlled, and they have a very strict mother or father who's not a narcissist but just very strict that young man or woman could have interpreted it like you're trying to control me or trying to dominate me and they could have created narcissistic traits to get their way and then their brain developed like that if that makes sense makes perfect sense yeah perfect and so that's you know a lot of people want to blame and i don't think it's really fair to blame a parent especially if we weren't there and we don't know and for but it is an important component we can't yeah. we can't ignore the fact that you I, I just had a client last week and if we wouldn't have gone backwards yes we wouldn't have discovered that it was there was a parent that was a narcissist yes so it it, it is important that you look and yeah. you look at you look at what the signs are if you had a narcissistic mother or a narcissistic father because there's a whole different psychological dynamic to if how you're, you're the, raised. Yeah, if you're the victim. So here's the thing. Um, if you're a victim of narcissistic abuse or you find yourself getting into narcissistic relationships, if your parent was a narcissist, that's going to create some type of normalcy in your brain. So you'll be used to the drama and the trauma and the constant need for approval. Um, but the question is, how does a narcissist become a narcissist? And a lot of people get a little too obsessed on that question. So what I was referring to is, if you find yourself in a relationship with a narcissist, you kind of got to say it doesn't matter how they got there. All that matters is they're being abusive and the label doesn't matter. But if you're a victim, it's helpful to say, oh, you know what? My mom and my dad were very, or 
One of them was very narcissistic. This is why I have constant anxiety. This is why I'm so trying to people please. This is why I get codependent or enmeshed. So that can be very helpful if you're the victim. Okay, great. So can we back up just a teeny bit yeah. and let's talk about traits of a narcissist because this day and age, everybody wants to call everybody a narcissist. So yeah. uh, let's talk about what the true definition of a narcissist is. And I know there are different kinds, so we can kind of go into that too. So um, for, yeah, so for the listeners at home, we're going to distinguish two things, okay? There's narcissistic personality disorder, and that has nine diagnosable traits in the DSM-5. That is a personality disorder. We can also talk about the word narcissism as an adjective, okay? So distinct from the entire personality disorder and a diagnosis, people can have narcissistic traits they can use narcissistic abuse tactics. So I think that's important because people get a little obsessed on, you know, at the end of the day, like, is my, is my boyfriend or my girlfriend a narcissist? And I'm going to assert that behind that question is you're trying to see if you can fix them and change it. So we, we want to distinguish between um, and narcissistic personality disorder is in the cluster B of personality disorders, which includes um, borderline personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and antisocial personality disorder. And an antisocial is a sociopath and a psychopath. But usually the cluster B is kind I have a family member who's been a therapist for over 30 years, and he has worked with narcissists and cluster B, so I have consulted with him a lot. I mean, I'm not a therapist, but... He said in his clinical practice, a lot of them kind of show up together. Mm -hmm. So it can get a little confusing if you're trying to diagnose somebody, which is why I say don't worry so much about the diagnosis. Let's look at the tactics. It's easier to get some clarity if you know and have memorized what their tactics are. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. And education is always key with this. So yeah. re being able to recognize yeah. the signs. Yeah. So the signs are so a typical. Yeah. So somebody with a narcissistic personality disorder or traits, they're going to have a grandiose sense of self. Okay. So, <laughs> and it's a little delusional, but um, so they have a grandiose sense of self and self-importance. They're extraordinarily entitled. They lack empathy. They, they cannot empathize or sympathize. They're cruel. They have sadistic traits. Um, How do they show up in, in dating? So there are things like love bombing and uh, things yeah. like that. So, so what are those? Okay, so again, mechanistically, and, and y'all take notes because it's very important to memorize this. Take notes. Yes, because there's a, there's an order in which they do things, and you can start to predict it, just like you can any disease like diabetes, okay? So in dating, the first thing that will happen is something called love bombing, and you want to just understand it feels like a bomb that's gone off in your brain. So they'll say, where have you been my whole life? You're just the most perfect, amazing person I've ever seen. They're going to send you texts after texts after texts. They're going to say, you're my soulmate. They're going to want to move very fast, move in, get married within a month to two months. And it seems unrealistic. Um, it's And what they are doing is they're bombarding your brain with adrenaline and dopamine and even oxytocin. So and what's happening in their brain? At oh the same God. time. Well, they're getting, there's something called narcissistic supply. So narcissists basically love attention. If you think about like a naughty child, 
any attention is good attention. So good, bad, or otherwise. So, it, so it's like gasoline. So I know that's the way I explain that to my clients. Yeah. It's like anytime you give attention, whether it be positive or negative, it's like filling up that gas tank. So they're trying to win you over and they feel really good. They're like, oh, look at me. Because when you're being told you're the most amazing, beautiful woman, you're also saying thank you for seeing me. Oh, you're such a great guy. You're such a girl, uh, woman. And women can be narcissists also. Yes, mothers, mm-hmm, women can certainly. And we can't forget that men get abused. Um, so you, that narcissist I have men is getting watching to right now that have been through this. So I'm yeah. very glad that you're here. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and for the men, they're, they're just as confused. And, and also I think they experience shame and, you know, toughen up big guy, like, oh, it's just, oh, your little lady's hurting you. It's like, yeah, you know what? It's psychological abuse. It's emotional, mental, and I would even say spiritual abuse. So yeah, because they don't know they, They've never experienced anything like it in their life. And it almost, I think, sometimes because of the way in which the narcissist moves in and out of uh, their life, because one of the things that we haven't really talked about is how they gaslight and how they turn things. So what happens over time with uh, somebody's in a relationship with a narcissist is that they they feel that it's them. So the yes. thing things are constantly getting turned. So we that's an important thing to talk about because yeah. I think that's the that's the mental abuse that's very very hard to unwrap and get out of once yes. you once you're starting to recover. So um, so for the folks at home, if you want to just write this down, we'll I'll, I'll say them now and then we can go back and reference them. Okay. So the first step is going to be love bombing, and then so what they do is they put you up on a pedestal. And they just adore you and they idealize you. So there's, you want to write that down. There's idealization. So you have become idealized and now you're on the pedestal. And then the second thing that's going to happen is they're going to do what's called devaluing you. And what you're talking about, some of the ways that they devalue you is through gaslighting, blame shifting, flipping the script and confusing you. Then there's going to come the third phase, which is going to be a discard. They'll do that by either completely ghosting you or just trashing you and saying, I don't love you anymore and you're worthless. And then what usually happens is they'll come back, whether it's a week, a month or decades later sometimes and hoover you just like the vacuum cleaner and suck you <laughs> back into it great terms yes and then once you fall for that trick and you get hoovered back in the cycle starts over you're going to get love you bomb. put the gas in the tank you're and gonna, now it's the, 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 the car's moving again you can yeah. predict it they're going to love bomb you then they're going to idealize you then they're going to start to devalue then they're going to it's just a hamster wheel and it's actually predictable. So that's why I want you all to write these things down so you can identify what's happening. And here's the thing when I teach, when I coach my clients and why I study neuroscience is if you can predict something and put a label to it, it's not personal. How many of your clients feel like, what did I do wrong? This feels so personal and it's not. Because the, I personally abuse, think most of the people don't know what's happening to they them. Don't. They've just, they've just been blindsided they thought they were in a great relationship they didn't realize the abuse was happening and now they're blindsided now they're left just reeling from being in love and having their heart ripped out and not and and thinking that it was this person that adored them and they and here's what i hear from a been lot there. of narcissists <laughs> i mean from a lot of people that have yeah. been in relationships is that they've never been loved like that 
Yes. Yes. Because of the love bombing, there's this component of of never being loved in that mm-hmm. smothering manner. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> it is. Smothering. It doesn't bomb. sound good at all. Uh, but uh, okay, so you had met you had. I, I didn't hear you say it, and you may have said it. I may have been looking for comments. Did you uh, define gaslighting? No, not yet. Okay. So, so okay. So in the devaluing stage, okay. So this is when they're starting to break you down. Um, they're gonna get, do something that's called gaslighting, and, and folks. It's good to know this because these are manipulation tactics. Actually, like criminal interrogators know about this and they can identify it. And that's why they can get somebody to admit to a crime eventually. But gaslighting simply means somebody is saying something is true when it's not true or something is not true when it is true. So let me give an example. Let's say somebody like, you know, somebody destroyed, like, say, your favorite trinket or like watch okay and you you know you saw this person break it okay and then the next day they're like why are you mad and you say well i'm just still kind of upset because my watch is broken and the person will say well you shouldn't have left it on the floor you know that's why i stepped on it it's like no you stomped on it i watched you no no, that was your fault. You, you should be a little bit more careful with your things. You know, if you don't want things to get stepped on. That's gaslighting. Like you saw them throw it on the floor and stomp on it. And so they make you feel crazy. That's, that's it. And then you start to dart, doubt your own reality. And then they'll say, well, you know, you were really upset yesterday. I just, I don't think you're remembering things the right way. And so it's an attack on your own. Do they know they're doing that? Some of them do, and some of them do it by instinct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, some people are very malicious that way, and some some of them have done it in an outburst, and then they're just trying to cover it up because they cannot deal with the fact that they behave that way. The narcissist that I've seen and, and, and dealt with, it's like if they do something wrong, they can see it for a moment. There may be – usually they can't, but if they ever could empathize – it's only for a mere moment. Yeah. And then it's back to the blame. It's back to something else. You know, it's almost like remorse can be felt for seconds, but they don't want to stay there. So they completely blame shift again. You know, it's well, the difference between remorse and a narcissist and a normal human being is you want to look at the difference between the two systems in the brain, which is log- logic and emotion. They will know logically the answer to the test is that was bad and wrong and I shouldn't have done it. They won't feel remorseful. So they know for a moment that's wrong, and then they cover it up. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and I just want to say I'm trying to take a peek at social media, too. It's not easy to do all this. But uh, if you have any questions, please... Please send your questions into us. I am peeking, so I know I know many of you have dealt with narcissism in your uh, in your life and in your relationships, and I want you to be able to ask questions to Cinnamon. Uh, she's very very good at this. Thank Obviously you. knows her stuff. Uh, okay, so well, I happen to know the answers to the most common questions because I've had clients come to me too, and I just wanted to say hi, Brad. That's your sidekick. He's sidekick. In. Yeah, hi, Brad. he. Uh, <laughs> He's, He's not here today. We can only have two people in the studio. Yeah. So sidekick was sidekicked out. 
<laughs> sorry, Brad. But with love. We uh, love sorry, you. Brad. I do feel remorse for that. I'm just telling you, I do. <laughs> I feel intense remorse. <laughs> Oh, you guys are cute, uh, you? Anyway, so uh, so having said that, so how does somebody, so because of the fact that after 30 years sometimes of, or 40 years of dealing with parental narcissistic abuse, and oftentimes because we do go for patterns, so when we, when we know how to deal with chaos, when we know how to deal with... Uh, the chaos and confusion and commotion that a narcissistic human uh, gives us, and we've been dealing with that from a parent, you tend to attract. You tend to attract. And why is that? I mean, obviously, there's a, a zillion reasons. Codependency tends to be one of them. Yep. Uh, and I, I think... Trauma bonds is yeah, another one. Right. And I think going into that is going to be really important because I think people need to understand that there is a certain personality that attracts the narcissist that are yes. drawn to you. Because I know somebody said to me the other day, they said, oh, only weak people get with narcissists. Not true. No. Tell us more about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So... <laughs> One of the things that helped me, um, and I will tell everybody else, if you've actually been chosen by a narcissist, it's actually a compliment, okay? Narcissists seek out people who are caring, loving, empathetic, talented, beautiful, or they have some type of skill like a musician or professional opera singer, you know, that make them look good, okay? So you have some type of trait um, or accomplishment that they want to absorbed by proxy. So you're actually, a, it's a compliment. Okay. It's kind of like a backhanded compliment, but you need to stay grounded in who you really are. So that's not true. And, um, as far as bringing in that pattern, um, the neuroscience of the brain, it's all perceptions and our brain makes patterns. Okay. So if you've had a narcissistic parent, this is what it's like, whether it's a mother or father, you're going to have found that you were trying to constantly get their approval, especially as a toddler. It's like, why can't I make mommy happy? Um, my drawing's not good enough. And then, um, my grades aren't good enough or my sports activities aren't good enough. So you're constantly seeking approval especially as a toddler. And then when you get a little older, um, like in the teenage years, there's going to be conflict and gaslighting, and you may find yourself trying to reason with them. But the bottom line is, you know, they've, they've made approval off of your accomplishments. Um, you're the number one sports star. You're the quarterback. You're the head cheerleader. You won the science fair. That makes the narcissistic parent look good, and you have They're been feeding off that attention. Yes, even if it's not their own. That's their narcissistic mm -hmm. attention, and so out and about, they're like, oh, the greatest parent, but at home, they're not. Now, as a child, what this does is it creates a chemical cocktail in the brain full of, like, when there's arguments and fighting and they're criticizing you, you're going to get cortisol, and then you're going to get adrenaline, which can be addictive. And then when they're praising you because you won the award or whatever else, then you get more adrenaline, which is addictive, and then you get dopamine, and then you can even get oxytocin, which bonds you. And so if you grow up with this, you've had 18 to 20 years of ups and downs and roller coasters, and that becomes normal. And so once you leave home, it's almost like you, you left the war, and now 
it's weird and unfamiliar. So you will find somebody and the narcissist can smell you out like a shark can smell a drop of blood in the water and they will know that you're the kind of person that will put up with their stuff. And that narcissist will seem normal to you because you're going to have to fight for their approval. They're going to love bomb you and put you on a pedestal. Then they're going to knock you down just like mom or dad did. And that goes into normal. It doesn't mean it's healthy. Because you know how to deal with that. So you're just, highly skilled. Yeah. Just the, you, you don't want that pattern, but you're in that pattern. So you know that you, that's, Yes. That's the, that's the psychological component to it. So yeah, yeah. it's biological. It's and they like strong, they like strong people because yeah. that is, there is a challenge. Uh, there is a challenge component to it as well when they're able to break them down. Yeah. Well, so that's on a scale too. And the human magnet syndrome, I, I recommend as a book and, a, and um, an audio book because um, sometimes they like a very strong person because of the challenge, but the really extreme ones, they like more of the codependence and, and what you would call as a doormat. They'll say yes and yes and people please and they're small and, and they don't fight and stick up for themselves. So some of them will prey on that type of mousy, meek, very low self-esteem, low worth. I have never seen a victim of narcissism that was that way. They're always strong people. I'm just, that's just me, but that's... Well, in, I, in the severely abusive, right. dominant, like think more alcoholic, drug addicted, very... Um, and so it could be that that's not your demographic, but when you look at the women who are literally being brutally abused and having their skull broke open and they go back, that's that component. Right. Okay. So those yeah. are those, that's those, a, that's a whole different deal. It is. That's, the, that's, that's abuse too. That's yes. Yeah. So that's, but that's, that is that abusive person who's breaking that woman's bones is absolutely a narcissist plus probably more sociopath psychopath. So somebody asked a question, Tom said, is there any changing a narcissist? No. <laughs> the end. There's your answer. <laughs> Would you like to think about that? I know. So here's the thing. It's a personality disorder. So it's not like um, a health problem where you can take some medicine and improve. Okay. So it's not like depression or even schizophrenia where you can be medicated and improve. Mm -hmm. So no. And what happens is and when you talk to psychotherapists, they'll tell you they, first of all, they don't get better. They just learn how to manipulate. And so this is a perfect introduction to this book, if I may. Okay. This is probably the last book you'll ever need to read. This is the last book that I got on it, and it answered every question for me. It's called Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft. Awesome. And um, can I tell you a little bit about that book? Of course. Yes. So Lundy Bancroft was a or is a counselor, and he had been counseling abusive men for 13 years. And the these men had to be forced into counseling for either court orders or their wife or girlfriend said, if you don't do something, I'm leaving you. Those are the only two reasons a narcissist will go into therapy. And so what he, what Lundy Bancroft did was like, okay, well, I'll try to help these guys. And these guys looked great at first. And then they'd kind of tell a story kind of like maybe about the glasses. Like, well, she accused me of breaking her glasses and I promise I didn't do it. Well, Lundy would then talk to the spouses and then get a completely different story from the spouses and go back to the abuser and say, okay, so, well, I got this story from, you know, Nancy, and she said this, and she actually forwarded me the email, you know, and so he started to get evidence, and then the, um, the men would gaslight the Lundy 
And so he's like, wait, I have proof that your wife did this. I actually have the police reports. And oftentimes when a narcissist, when you expose them, they'll go into what's called a narcissistic rage. And these men would get furious and continue to cover up. Not interested in getting better. Right. They just get more skilled at manipulating. And then leave therapy because they've been found out. Well, and then they act like a victim. The Mm -hmm. therapist is mean. She's against me. She doesn't like me. She's a man hater or whatever. They'll flip it to be a victim. Right. And so here we are. And I saw the title too. So why does he do that? Uh, To be she. Uh, yeah, so I had a gentleman ask, will you discuss women narcissists and how they manipulate men? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. So going back to the cluster B, um, that's why it's important to understand a cluster B, especially more of the borderline and the histrionic. So a person can have multiple traits. So a woman will oftentimes use her looks and her sexuality um, to get to a man. Um, and so she'll guilt him with... Um, one of the ways she'll love bomb is through sex and her, her looks and, um, her physique and, and that male sex drive. So, um, she'll look great. She's going to love bomb you. She's going to say like, you're probably going to come in as a savior. She'll have a big, long story of how she was abused and she's going to be a pitiful, poor thing. And you're going to come rescue her, (laughs) rescue her. And then she's going to start to devalue you and emasculate you. That may be how your mom abused you. So as a man, you might be used to being emasculated and having to save and help. But um, oftentimes she'll cry. That's the histrionic part. She's going to cry and she's going to break things and throw things and threaten to hurt herself and threaten to kill herself. And you as a man are going to want to continue to protect and save her. So they'll play on those male protective instincts and your sexual desires to manipulate you and get you their way and get you back under their control. I hope... I hope that makes sense. Um, and listen, anytime you're a victim of narcissistic abuse, you, and I'm sure you cover this with your clients, right? Mm-hmm. You want to look at why is this normal for me? So like- the, Thank you. That's a great question. So, and that's what I did. Because it does come down. There are two, there are two players. There are two players. It's, it's not your tango. fault, but there is, there, there are magnets. We are magnets as to how we attract. And that's- that's the one thing I've always said to people, it doesn't matter what's narcissism or anything else, that which we are attracting is also attracting you. So mm-hmm. there are there are two parts to that magnet. And yeah. so you have to look at what is it about me that's, that's drawing them in, that's attracting them, that's allowing it. Uh, and that's, that's super important. Do we have any other questions? No, Mike said, yes, textbook outcome, exclamation mark. So thanks, Mike. Um, so yes, now here's something that's very important, especially if you've been a victim of narcissistic abuse and you have attracted them. There's a big difference between blame and being responsible. We're not trying to blame you. It's, it's not your fault. If you've Oftentimes you're a good person, you're an empathetic person, you're a caring person, and the narcissist is banking on you being forgiving and loving and kind. So we're not trying to blame you, we're actually trying to empower you. Say, what a powerful question, what is it about me where this was normal? Because you can go through and look at your own self and change that pattern. You have the power to do that and put a stop to abuse and understand that it might be complicated, especially to get out of one. You wanna see it like trying to quit smoking. 
you can try to quit smoking today, but tomorrow you, you're not going to wake up not wanting a cigarette. So if you're used to trauma, drama, and difficulty, you want to own that that's your pattern. That's your habitual-based pattern, and you got to work daily to not do that and work with a professional. So would you say that men, because of how much they thrive on a challenge, would you say that that is why they end up staying in so long. I mean, I just want to, I, uh, the only reason I ask this is because I do, the gentlemen that I do know and do talk to, there tends to be that component of that, that roller coaster. And again, you go back, there's a pattern, there's a pattern in your own life where you, you know, some, somewhere there's that pattern. Yep. There's something drawing them in. Uh, but could it just be the challenge component? Yeah. So one of the things that I like to talk to my folks about who are victims of narcissist abuse is why don't you just check your ego? Because now the ego is involved. Okay. So we think I can save them. I can help them. I'll be the one that heals them. And it's a challenge. So I'll be the one. And it's like, you know, maybe you want to set your ego aside. Okay. Because that, that becomes a savior complex. And you want to look at why is it so important for you to be a savior? Is that how you got approval? Is that how you feel like you're worth anything? And that's, you see, these are very good questions. It's like, where is your value? Because you're placing your value on somebody else. And you'll never have peace or power when the only way you feel worthy and successful is from somebody else's feedback. Okay, so let's talk about, as we, as we need to, recovery. So uh, how does somebody begin recovery if they've been in a narcissistic relationship or currently in one, I mean, that that is also, I mean, there's some people that are wrapped in that whole mess yeah. of uh, trying to get out. So for the people that are trying to get out but just keep getting pulled back in, how, what do they need to do? <laughs> First of all, it's what you need to know. Listen. I, <laughs> listen. Listen. I'm going to bring in my grandma spirit. She would always say, listen. Um, so whenever I get somebody that asks me these questions, the first thing is you need to understand something first. And I brought a really goofy prop. A prop. Okay. The first thing that can actually help you get out and heal is understanding what you're dealing with and how a narcissist views and sees the world. Because typically people trying to get out are trying to understand them and reason with them and argue with them and defend. And you can't. And you cannot. So here's the thing. The first thing that I tell people is narcissists, you want to think about the difference between an alligator and a puppy dog. Think about the way an alligator or a snake's eyes look. It's very much seek and strike, seek and strike, where a puppy's like, let's be together and let's play. So narcissists see the world completely differently. And I'm going to put on my goofy sunglasses. They see the world as a game. Don't you just love these? So they see the world as a game. And Jennifer, what They're is very the, Terminator? They are <laughs> right. But what is the only reason to play a game? What's the point of a game? To win. To win, and in order to win, there has to be a loser. Loser. Okay, so I'm also going to put cotton in my I'm ears smart today because yes. Yeah, <laughs> so my coffee. so narcissists see the world as a game, and they even filter so they don't hear you and they don't see you like a normal person. 
So you have to understand you're dealing with a different human being. So and you will never be able to understand them. No. You, you can't get in the brain because it's a brain disorder. So unless you have that disorder, you're never going to be able to think like that. So it's right. a good thing that you don't see or hear the world the way that they do. Yes. Because then you would have some issues. So that's why they're confusing because they don't see you or hear you like a non-narcissist. Mm -hmm. So you can say one thing and because they don't hear you, it comes out differently. So you can pour in milk and then it comes out like stinky moldy cheese. So that narcissist literally does not see the world the way you do. So you'll never be able to relate. And once you understand that, that their only goal is to be in a game, games have nothing to do with partnership, really. I mean, unless you're on a team, but still the whole goal is to win and you lose. And the person who's in a, who's the victim of one is trying to partner and be together and raise the other person up. The narcissist isn't trying to do that. They're trying to tear you down and get their way and dominate. This is two different animals. So uh, we have a question. Do narcissists typically tell their partner that they are a narcissist? No. The answer would be no. No. Absolutely not. That's that's like that's like a con artist saying, "Hey, well, can you hire me so I can embezzle money from your company?" You off. Yeah, no. but they don't. They don't know, and they don't think they are either. Even if they've been told by every ex that they are, they're right. like, they don't. They right. don't know. So uh, then again, what are the signs to watch for from women? I assume, I assume it's lots of selfies on social media, frequent changes to their profile pics, many new connections to men, etc. So yes, so lots of it. So that kind of goes more into the histrionic, especially if they're very revealing selfies, but blatant insecurity. If they're constantly needing to get that feedback and approval for outside sources. So it's, you're looking for, you're looking at an unstable sense of self and a false sense of self. The interesting part of that, that I just find fascinating is I've seen that too, where it is like very revealing, very, you know, and you know, the, you know, the goal. They take the selfie like this. So you're seeing down in their cleavage and then they're like, oh, look at my new eyeshadow. But it's all cleavage. <laughs> Come on, ladies. There like, are we know. worse. There are worse. Oh. But, <laughs> but having industry. said that, <laughs> but having said that, I also can't help but giggle at all the comments. Like, stop giving attention to that. If that's something that you don't. Well, men are visual, so these women are playing on it, and men are like, yeah, that looks good. Okay, hey, you're hot, and they come in like a white knight and all this other stuff. They get the attention. We know how to get their attention. Right, well. Women know how to get a man's attention. Right. If so, you have integrity, so you won't are, do it. Is that the type, is that that person that is doing a lot of selfies on social media, it, does it mean, does that always mean that's narcissist? The answer no. is No. That's not always, that could be somebody that's super insecure. That could be somebody that needs attention. It's not always a narcissist that is doing things like that. Uh, not always, but uh, the other sign is she's got lots of male friends, especially lots of good looking ones or lots of wealthy ones that happen to just buy her lots of gifts. And no, <laughs> just I just happened to. I, I promise we're just friends. Is that a new Louis Vuitton purse? Yeah, he bought it for me, but we're just friends. 
Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so Sidekick says, are more women or men mar narcissists? So is there a statistics? Is there yeah, a there is. And, you know, again, it's from a scientific standpoint because they don't seek therapy. It's hard to get the real numbers. But typically it's going to be men who are going to be diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Now, it is thought that more women have what's called borderline personality disorder and histrionic. Um, but all of them kind of have a narcissistic, to use the adjective, component to it. So hopefully that clears that up. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think there are, there are definitely questions there. I, uh, I, I tend to find that strong women, it's the strong women that tend to attract. And you have to look at that codependency uh, factor as well. So, uh, so empaths, codependents, right? So who are they drawn to? Empaths, yeah. So somebody who is very empathetic or empath and, and I'm one. And e even with codependent or caregiver, teachers, nurses, therapists, coaches, basically anybody who's caring, you know, and likes to help helpers of the world. There are therapists who have been sucked in by narcissists. So um, because the narcissist knows you're going to want to come in and try to help them and save them. And you're going to put up with their antics because you're trying to help them. So again, they're banking and they're just betting on your good character and your forgiveness. If you are a very forgiving, kind, almost overly understanding person, you have to be aware that that you will attract narcissists and you just from a standpoint of personal responsibility need to say, okay, I know what a love bomb is. I know what a devaluation is. Educate yourself. And, and have boundaries. You have to have boundaries. Yes, you have to have boundaries. I mean, you do have to know who you are, but you have to know boundaries because just like any type of attacker, when they see somebody that has boundaries, they're going, they're not going to necessarily approach. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be less likely to approach. So they'll be less likely to approach. But also, if you have a really mal malignant narcissist, they might see that as a challenge. So you want to take note. How does this person respond when I say no? They might uh, push you. They might pretend to say okay, but they're going to come back around in a couple of weeks. They may sneak around in a couple of months or even six months. It's like, I told you no at the beginning of the relationship. They don't know what no is. They don't like no. No. They hate it. They no. hate it. So they might pretend to be okay with it, but they will. No is an invitation to push harder so they it's can a challenge, get their way. Right? <laughs> and this is where we have to put in logic, right? And write mm -hmm. things down even on your calendar. I told this person no true. on this day. Very true. And that way you can get the emotions out of it and then be logical about it. So, um, yeah, we could probably talk about this for hours and days, but... Um, so is there, so we have one more question and I know we have to wrap it up. I have one in my family. Somebody says, I have one in my family. I, pur I purposely avoid ever having to deal with her. Her husband is also, it's a, all about them 24 seven. So must be a sister. Uh, so, uh, interesting. Here's what you need to know. They're never going to change. Okay. A narcissist and selfish person, selfish person is never going to change. You're under no obligation to stay around a family member, forgive the mother, be with the sister. I have a couple people in my life that I've known a long time that I no longer interact with. Now, if you 
are going to interact with them, you have to know what you're getting into. You have to set expectations extraordinarily low and expect for them to create drama, insult you, criticize you, and be horrible. And don't be surprised about it. And um, and you have to manage your own expectations. Should people that have them in their life, whether they because sometimes they are parents, you know, sometimes they are parents, sometimes they are family. Do they need to avoid? that person? How if, do they put up the boundaries with family? That's that's the question. So it's always, it depends. Some, some narcissists aren't necessarily abusive. They're just maybe extraordinarily toxic and selfish and just cold or whatever else. So if I would say if, if you're ever being abused, flat out abused by somebody, just stay away from them. You have to go no contact, which means no email, no texting. Don't check their social media. Block, Block them. them on social Block media. Them on your phone. Block them. Block their email. Because you've gotten used to the patterns too. And that's the thing that you have to understand yep. is that they may have an illness, but now so do you in a sense. Yes. Because you have gotten into that pattern and you've got to end it. You also have to end it. And it's yes. that's the hard part I have found mm -hmm. with talking to clients is that they have a hard time. It's like they're always waiting because there's such an in and out pattern with the narcissist in their life. They're always waiting for that person to come back. So they know the text message is coming or they know the person's going to come knocking on their door. And how do they, how do they in recovery really quick, sum this up. How does somebody keep a narcissist out of their life? So it goes back to this. Everybody listen, please closely. <laughs> listen, listen, take the cotton out of your ears. That's right. Um, so it goes back to the cycle. So there's a love bomb. They devalue you. They discard you. And then they're going to hoover you. And so in the cycle, you have to disrupt their capability of hoovering and sucking you back in. If they're blocked and you're not talking to them, they can't suck you back in. And that's where you break the cycle. And now co-parenting with one is a little bit of a different thing but you just cannot feed into any argument short answers yes no business vague, keep business, business is business and everything else is yeah 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 and you can't let them bother you and the the most important thing i would say is never take anything they say or do personally leave it over there with them i call it mental bad breath you know when somebody has bad breath it's theirs Mm -hmm. you, don't, you can be around and it's smelly, but you don't catch it. So narcissism, you may want to see it as it's a mental, they have like mental bad breath. It's theirs. Yeah. They may aim it at you and say, it's your fault that I have all these problems. And no, it's theirs. It's not about you. They try to make it about you. It's not about you. So, so having said, so let's just move forward with uh, resources. Uh, so sure. what resources should people that are sitting out there listening, watching, uh, trying to get out or trying to, to recover? Because recovery can take a long time. Recovery can take a long time. I mean, it's, I watched it you go while. through it too. And it takes a while. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is understanding and you, but you did it from a standpoint of really understanding every little teeny weeny piece of everything, <laughs> which, which, 
can help. Uh, it really can help. But at the end of the day, you just need to shut that person out of your life and educate yourself so it does not happen again. Because again, if you attracted them, there is a component in you that could attract another. So you need to you need to be educated, right? Yes. And what resources do they have? What do people have besides that book? Yeah. Okay. So a couple of things about that. Yeah. It helps to be educated so you don't feel crazy, right? So it's like, oh, wow, this is enough to be completely as defined as a personality disorder. So it's nice to know the terms and be educated so you don't feel crazy, but you want to put a time limit on yourself because I went through this. It, you, it's like you can get a little too obsessed on the why and the figuring out of it. So figure out why, but then concentrate on yourself and you have to become unfascinated with the narcissist. You need to become in, uninterested in them because the addiction is the interest in trying to get their approval and change them. So educate yourself. And that's yourself. on you. Did it, you hear that? That's about on you me. now. It's not about them anymore. Yeah. And and understand, I, I don't get fight or flight symptoms anymore or anything because I took that on. So um, get with a therapist who knows you have to interview the therapist. Do you know and understand narcissistic abuse? And you, have you helped them? It's a yes or no question. Sometimes um, victims will have post-traumatic stress disorder and evidence-based treatment for that is EMDR and cognitive behavioral therapy. And I know someone that's great with this and they do MDR in Good. their office as well. So yeah. if you all need any referrals, uh, just contact me. Yes. I'll be happy to send you. Then um, two YouTube channels. Don't go down the rabbit hole of YouTube channels because there's a lot of really unhealthy, I would say, channels. The two people that I trust are Dr. Romani, and she's a clinical psychologist who treat has treated people like this very good. And then the little shaman. She is amazing. If you go to Little Shaman, just put in YouTube, Little Shaman Narcissism, you will get more resources than you could ever hope for. She's direct. She's blunt, but she's not carrying her own anger into it. So you, you're probably not going to have to deal with all of her stuff. Right. And one yeah. of my, uh, one of my clients has been listening to those and yes. loves them. Like she's, they, she puts her in tears every night. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's the other part of any kind of recovery, whether it be narcissism or and any other type of uh, wound that we're dealing with, understand that it takes time yes. and don't judge your tears. If you're sad, uh, if, if a wound is broken open and you are devast you even feel devastated, that's okay because that's what needs to happen in order to rebuild, to rebuild yourself stronger and wiser yeah. in the future. So uh, well, don't be shamed by your tears. And I know yeah. a lot of people are like, they just, they feel ripped apart by <laughs> this and they feel weak and it does, it's, Tears and and surrendering is not a weakness. It's a strength. It's a strength it beyond belief. It's a strength. Yeah. The ego wants to kind of come in and say, how was I so stupid and how this happened? No, you know what? Give yourself some credit. You loved that person and that came from a very good place. They were actually very lucky to have had you. So, and you may also want to understand the stages of grief because it's an ending of something. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, I thought I was, you know, going to get married and so there's a this this imagined life that you had that has come to an end. So let yourself grieve. Give yourself grief. The narcissist was hard enough on you. You don't need to be so hard on yourself. So allow yourself that place. But also, I would say, just as coaches, you and I focus on forward movement. So have something in the future that you're also aiming at so that it's worth the grief process. So that's what I would say regarding that. And, and that's what helped so, me. So what are you aiming at? Well, one of the things um, 
I was aiming at is just helping other people and healing myself and making a commitment and a promise to never, I, I made a commitment to myself to disrupt that lifelong pattern and I cut out few, a few people in my life, mm -hmm. but to have healthy love. And really so not everybody's going to want to help people. So what mm -hmm. does somebody, what is a person that's not in the service industry, mm -hmm. in the healing industry, how are they, what do they focus on to get through this, to get past this? Well, like, especially children, like, what do you want for yourself in your life in the future? You know, just what do you want? Do you want to have a, he a happy, healthy relationship? Remembering who you are. So that's mm -hmm. what I'm hearing you say. So, so remember who you are before the narcissist or before whatever it was that came in, but today we're talking about narcissism. Yeah. Uh, remember who you are and what you wanted, because very often when you've been involved with a narcissist, it's been all about them and their needs and, and moving around their behaviors and their emotions and, and walking on eggshells. That's oh the gosh. term that anybody that's been with a narcissist can understand. Yeah. So you've been walking on eggshells for a long time. You've probably forgotten who you are. Yes. So it's super important point. to go back, which is what I do with my clients and start that process again of who are you? Who are you? What do you want? Um, what, what are the things that you need? Know your worth. You've got yes. to rebuild your worth and don't feel like, because I've had somebody say, well, I can't believe I'm back here and I have to do this again and, and get to know myself again and rebuild my worth. Everybody needs to do that. This should be a process that everybody goes through every few years because we change and we grow and we're always becoming new people. So we need, yeah. we need to make sure that yeah. we're always, always doing the self-work. That's yes. what, that's. That's what allows us yes. to be in a healthy relationship. Amen. Sister, yes. or like authentically who you are. And, and I love, Jen, I love you. We're, we're friends for a reason. I, I know. Yes. So it's like, you'll find, especially if you're that talented person, you've stopped painting or you've stopped playing the piano or you stopped. You forgot the things you love. Yes. Yeah. And like it even negatively impacted my coaching business. And I, I'm a silly, I know I'm not, it's a serious topic today, but I'm silly, goofy, you know that about me. And I am super silly. That. It's they so, lose that's it. the saddest part is that there's yeah. people's spirits. They, they, it's almost like they're part of their spirits taken away, but yeah. it's not, it's just a perception. Mm -hmm. It all comes back and it all comes back in the order it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. So just remember God has a purpose for everything that comes into our life. Even a narcissist, even narcissistic yeah. abuse, because sometimes the parts of us that die in those relationships were parts that maybe needed to, so that something else could be reborn. So you have to look at all the possibilities of all of that. Yes. So, okay. Well, you know what? Thank you very much. I, your con Contact information went on the screen so people know where to contact you. And there it is again. Uh, so thank you so much for being here. And uh, I, I would encourage anyone that has any questions or needs any additional information, please contact her. I do all the time <laughs> to get info and uh, resources. So uh, she is thank yours. You. So thank you for being here. Thank love you for you. having me. I love you too. Bye guys. This is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Every single week we'll have new information. And if you'd like to find out more information or if you have any questions, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on Facebook at my personal page, Jennifer Stiers.